0: Hello, this is David Metric, founder of Airbook One, where we are reimagining how you can book and fly privately. With the big increase in popularity in flying private jets over the past couple of years, it's our hope that our listeners will learn many of the ins and outs of flying private jets. It's a very cool world, tough to break into, so let's get into it. <laughs> everybody welcome to the jetmetric podcast uh we just had a great conversation with the CEO of Jet Access their based, their headquarters are, is based in Indianapolis I also have a headquarters in, in Palm Beach uh, Quinn Ricker CEO really a phenomenal guy you have to listen to this podcast it was one of our longer ones but the passion uh, the love for industry the love for people uh, love for com- for a company really shows through in almost everything that Quinn does, Talks about and thinks about. And it's just really a great, great podcast. I think you all learn a lot. Have fun. Welcome to the Jetmetric podcast, everyone. I'm David Metric, CEO and founder of Airbook One, where we make booking and managing char flights a breeze for both consumers and the operators. Today, we welcome Quinn Ricker. He's the CEO at Jet Access, they're headquartered in Indianapolis. Welcome, Quinn.
1: Great to be here, David. I appreciate you having me
0: on. Absolutely. Um, so everyone, we we had a great Quinn and I spoke on Monday and we had a great talk. And so we're gonna make it even better. It's great of a conversation I thought that was. So real excited to have you here. Um so jet access, if you all look on their on their website, uh, super easy, easy, to find. Real high end, high quality, great customer service. I don't want to say char broker because they they you know, they, they charter aircraft, they sell aircraft, um, they do, we so do it many- all. Yeah, you, it's, it's, it's really actually incredible, uh, really deep on a lot of great uh, um, aircraft and something for y'all to check out. So so we talked a little bit about on Monday, Quinn, can you give me this again, a little bit of a kind of where you came from, uh, how you got into the business and why you wanted to get into private aviation?
1: Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, a, a little bit of a, a winding journey to private aviation and being involved in the business it really started with, you know, we had a family business that I grew up in. Uh, I ended up getting very involved in that. That was my passion. Was our family business? It was a, um, it was more in retail fuels and convenience, and we grew up a very large business, about 900 employees over a number of states, and that was what our family was completely involved in. All of our chips were in that, and I was a CEO of it until 2018. In 2018, we decided not sure this is the right place for our family to be. And we exited that business and due to that business, we had flown private some, you know, a couple times a year. And I am, uh, I like anything that goes fast and burns <laughs> fuel and um, kind of a numbers guy.
0: Well, plus you're in Indianapolis with, I, the, with the Indy 500 there. You kind of have to say
1: that. That's right. You ha- You have to be a little bit of a gearhead here. <laughs> and I would spend weekends at the lake, you're looking at the different, the different jets, and it was so interesting to me. It was like a giant matrix, and each plane has its own personality that you could quantify. They cost a certain amount to buy. They cost a certain amount to operate. They hold a certain amount of passengers. They go a certain distance, and it was so fun to think about, you know, what you know, optimizing what was the the right way to transport myself or our family. On the uh, occasion that we did fly privately, and so that that was you know you know anything fast any you know anything with numbers, um, all those things were very interesting to me. Mm-hmm. And serendipitously, after we had very soon after we'd sold our business, and I was thinking I would take a, a couple of years off and I'll figure out what the heck the next move was. I was you know 40 years old at the time. And you know, I'll take a little time off and we'll find what is the next thing that myself and my wife want to do together. And somehow, six months later, I'm starting to have conversations about aviation. And I had a super team um, with me before. And I said, hey, I, you know, I got approached by an operator, really an FBO operator.
0: Right.
1: I said, you know, I'm really not, you know, I'm not ready to do something. And I really can't be involved with conversations with some of the former team. I've got a non-solicit, but there's, you know, there's a few people you might want to talk to. I can connect you with. And if they're interested, um, you have them. They might be interested in coming over, but I really can't be involved. And so um, this was a, a small FBO operator. They had a flight school, very small flight school. Uh, they had part of the sales and acquisitions business. It was 37 employees. And most of the FBOs, and I said seven FBOs, I sounds, oh, that sounds pretty big. Mm-hmm. Well, it was really some contract operating for some small rural fields oh, and okay. for one larger field. And that was the beginnings of uh, you know starting a touch on aviation. Then something very interesting happened. Is this group came to me and said, Hey, you know, a couple of your people are your old team is working here. And we've got the opportunity to buy half of what is a fairly large char- charter operator, Jet Access Aviation, or based out of West Palm. And I'm like, oh, this could be interesting. I could support my guys, um, you know, Business Aviation Fund. I was really thinking that this was going to be a passive investment at the time. And um, that changed. We ended up buying half <laughs> of Jet Access Aviation. Mm-hmm. And then, okay, I'm kind of getting into this. This is fun and that that was the initial journey of getting into aviation but there's a whole other story of what we been able to put together but that was how I got in and in such a blessing I feel so lucky that I got in this industry because there's no cooler industry than 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 aviation.
0: Yeah, I agree totally. Yeah, you know, when we were talking about this earlier in the week you made I think we both made mention of one of the reasons why once we got into it um, so I got in around the same time you did. I was kind of writing my plan for Eric One in 2018 and then started building out our our, our platform in nineteen. It was a lack of transparency in the business, like all over the place to the like consumer, you know, really to, you know, to different you know operators back and forth. It was just odd to me because I came from a business that was very transparent um you know uh, in my background. So that was something that bothered me. I kind of want to get into and kind of break it if you will. You mentioned that to me as well. You thought that was an opportunity. Um, the lack of transparency. I did. Uh, wh- why? Do you, how did you see it that
1: way? Uh, Is it, our business? It, it, by the way, David, one hundred percent agree. Just the complication, the lack of transparency in, in this industry. It's like nothing I've ever seen or experienced. I yeah, not that I've like you know, seen experienced a lot, but I feel like I've been around the block a little bit in business. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to you know the regulation, um, the different. Business verticals that support this industry, the lack of integration between you know the the, the maintenance or the charter or the you know it's a ninety one or one thirty five or you know the FBOs, the hangers, how you do fuel, how you price fuel, how you price hangers, um, you know it, you know the pilot standards, all these different things. It is, it is, I would say, especially on a charter and maintenance side, it is exceptionally complicated. And um, it really, you know, it really took me probably 24 to 30 months before of, of being in this business day to day, before I feel like, man, I've, I think I've really got this. I, I still have lots to learn, but I'm starting to really understand all the levers, all the, the value plays, um, the numbers that affect the customer affect, or affect the company. It's, it took me a couple, uh, at least a couple of years, if not more, to really be able to understand all the dynamics, you know, and, and then lay over the regulation with that. It was, it is an extremely complicated but ex- extremely energizing industry to be in.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. It's it exciting too. I mean, when I was a little kid, so I grew up in, I grew up in downtown Chicago, then moved up to the northern suburbs, and I was near what used to be Glenview Naval Air Station. So my dad who was a doctor. He, he the only time he it's free was Sunday. We used to drive over to the Naval Air State, the Naval Air Base, and we'd sit on Willow Road, what it was by the kind of viaduct there, and we'd watch the airplanes take off and land all day long. It was, I was like, I fell in love with the airplanes at that moment. I was probably like seven years old or six years old, just super cool. But now, I get, yeah, I get the pension. It's very cool.
1: I have a, a similar story as well. As you know, when I was a little kid, um, we used to go to the Mount Comfort air shows, and there'd be twenty, thirty thousand people there watching in their show and it was just like it was so it's cool awesome. yeah, you know awesome. little did i know later on that that would be where our you know we ended up getting the fbo there right. and growing a nice business there but you know, it was just like that that was impressionable on on me but i do want to get back to that, that that transparency and kind of the journey i think this will lead into you know why we developed the business the way that we did because you know it's you know just the different mechanisms when it comes to how an owner, the owner charter operator relationship work with, um, you know, what is a revenue share fixed rate reimbursements, things like that. Uh, What fees are paid by the owner? What fees are paid by that charter company? And it's, I I use this example a lot. You know, you may, you know, we've had, we've got, you know, planes all over the place. Now I've, I've owned some planes and you may get a quote from a, you know, say a maintenance shop. And one quote says, it's I'm going to rebuild my landing gear. It's time it, it's up. And it's, you know, one, one shop quotes it as, you know, $88,000 and the next shop quotes it at, you know, $154,000. Well, how the heck do you know, I, I, is one overcharging me or is one doing it or, or are they doing a riot or vice versa? Is the other one are they charging the right price that's lower or are they not, you know, fixing it competently? And it's just that that's one example of many of the things that you find in this industry that like, you know, how do you really know without being deeply entrenched in the industry? You know, is it really being done right or not? Am I getting a fair deal? Am I getting it a safe product? You don't really know. So it, you know, it took me years to be able to, to figure out and we developed a business strategy around being able to you know make it more transparent and make it easier for the customer
0: yeah i mean listen i totally agree i mean that's, that's what we do with our platform so that's, that's the basis of everything i mean it, i agree it, it, there's so many different variables you know where the plane's coming from how many stops it has to make right um, yeah i mean there's a million of it where the flight crew is right um, uh, you know how long they have to rest can they fly and it's like no one knows and so i talk to uh consumers all the time and they're like you know what's your hourly rate you know we do a little differently we, we use marketplace pricing and then we have our own pricing algorithm but um so it, it's not ours and we don't control aircraft like you do but they only know what's your hourly rate and it's like and it doesn't i mean they're all relatively close to each other it's all the other factors in every any moment in time that kind of make the price yeah.
1: What makes the price all and the so, re, all the repositioning yes. you know the you know the you know. Have my have my pilot's duty off or not? How many days have they been on? Do I have to bring in a crew? And there's just, right. you know, there's just so, yeah, I gave the maintenance example, but I mean, there's a there's dozens Absolutely of examples things. on the yeah. charter side that just affect what that quote may be.
0: Yeah, I agree. So, yeah, so for us, we try to make it super simple where, you know, our app is, it's not like Uber, but it's easy like Uber. I mean, you can get a price, it's guaranteed in, I don't know, 10 seconds. I mean, if you, you know, flip it pretty quick. And- Beautiful. Uh, yeah, and and, and so, the, the, but anyways, it, that's what we get. we want to make it easy, like you do for the customer. That now last week we also being week we talked about what you called, well, I'll never forget this, the five legs of the company. Yeah, that was you know just personally for me that was the most exciting thing you spoke about how you how you look at people, value people, the company, the goals, the mission. If you can go through that, I think that'd be I think a lot of people want to hear that.
1: I would, I would love to do that. I want to go back to the history of it a little bit more because I think I took you last time until about late 2019, early 2020, where we had bought um, half of Jet Access Aviation. Right. And so now we have a small flight school at the time. We've got some FBOs. Um, and that FBO network actually stretched from Indianapolis to Nashville to Dallas and a few outlying FBOs as well. Okay, now we kind of have a serious business. This business started as 37 employees in contract operated, um, the, the, the business that I got involved with that put all this together was 37 employees in a uh, contract operated FBOs, mostly over the Midwest. Um, so we bought half of Jet Access Aviation and we, uh, we now start rebranding everything to Jet Access. We ended up buying our main FBO at Indianapolis Regional. And uh, there was a, a fine gentleman, uh, many of the listeners may know of, it, uh, industry listeners, a guy named Matt Higgins. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt Matt is a wonderful man. He built up a great business across town from us. And what became clear to me, and then as I had more discussions with Matt, became a little bit even more clear is there is something to, we, we believe there's five business aviation verticals. You know, there's flight training, charter management, maintenance, FBOs and sales and acquisitions. That's kind of the five main functions that that really support business aviation. Some may say four and not count the flight training. I actually think flight training is exceptionally important to what we do. And as we were developing our business and we kind of, oh my gosh, the pandemic hits and wow, there's tumbleweeds on our airfields. We start thinking about how can we build a sustainable enterprise in business aviation for most of importantly, frankly, our, our, our people, and if we take care of our people, how we provide a sustainable uh, and best in ve- uh, class operation for our customers. I end up talking to Matt. Matt has the big missing piece that we don't have. He has a nice charter business, but he has a, a fantastic scaled up maintenance business. And the maintenance business is a 145 repair station where they can do uh, maintain about anybody's plane. But what was more important is he had fantastic people in his maintenance business, in his charter business. So Matt and I have discussions and we say, hey, we think that uh, Quinn, I'm at a different station live. I want my business family to be uh, involved with a family that is going to be private, who is going to take care of its people. I think you're the right guy. Matt and I end up working out a, a deal together. And now, and at the same time, we buy the other half of Jetaxis Aviation and within about uh, 32, 33 months we went from 37 employees to uh, today now we', we we're 406. Right. Um, we went from about you know 37 to call it you know three eighty-five, 390 you know when we combined first wing Eagle Creek and jet access. And what that did was that created one of the one of the few national scale business aviation enterprises that had, Flight training, charter and management. You know, FBOs, sales and acquisitions, uh, flight training. It was it was the acquisitions that we did. They weren't to be. They weren't for acquisition's sake. They were to put together a strategy, and we accomplished that. So, we feel like all of that provides a turnkey solution for our customers that is is as unrivaled.
0: Yeah. So that makes sense. Obviously. So I have a question. You mentioned national exposure if you will so you have a long list of locations obviously where your aircraft are based mm-hmm. um how did i'm trying to think because a lot of it's like i know you're based in indianapolis and so and I, you know, i've traveled a lot for my for my past business and so you're you're basically midwest but then you've got Punta gorda um dallas Col, uh, columbus and uh you've got west palm but that's your second headquarters obviously because that's where you kind of bought this company from but um how did you like what was your strategy how did you build that out that network fbo network if you will where your aircraft kind of sit today
1: well david i would like to say that it was really strategic but it just was <laughs> a lot of luck okay. it was opportunity it's exactly what it was it was opportunity yeah. we had fbo's in those markets um we're thankful that they are you know indianapolis yeah that's my hometown i'm a hoosier i love indiana and indianapolis is a is a great uh, major metro market but then we also were able to, um, you know, have an FBO that was uh, picked up in just north of Nashville, and we're going to be growing in Nashville. And then we also had a relationship in Dallas and have a have a nice airfield. We're on the RBD and putting together a a fantastic project there with Birchfield Partners, where we're going to have, uh, you know, two 28,000 square foot hangars and two eight thousand square foot offices, which you know we're going to change. You know, RBD, uh, you know, Redbird Airfield is really the closest. If you're trying to find a Dallas, it's the closest airfield to downtown, and it that's and that is an airfield that has so much opportunity. So a lot of it was just opportunity and luck, and then putting the right investment into the right airfields with most importantly the right people to grow these markets out. We have so much opportunity just in the markets that we are, but you know we will do more markets will grow into other markets, but we just so much opportunity in in the great markets of Indianapolis, Nashville, and Dallas.
0: So okay, so that's great. So in your mind, when you're when you're get, getting these opportunities and executing on them, um, in your mind, how how do you think about okay, I need to keep this aircraft that this in this city or this FBO and these aircraft over here. How do you? Figure, and how do you uh, work that strategy?
1: So if an owner, let's say an aircraft owner comes to us and we say, "Hey, you know, here's our value proposition," and you know, I, you know and we 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 come to an agreement. If they're in one of our markets currently, hey, that's great. Um, how do you want the how do you want the plane to operate? Do you want to optimize revenue and float it, or would you really like it to do? We'll do based retail charter in the markets that we're currently in. We'll do out and backs. So it's really the owner's decision on you know how much they want to optimize revenue or not, how much they want to use the plane or not, or if it's an owner that's that's not currently in one of the markets that we operate in. Hey, let's say you are in Atlanta, Georgia, or you know, uh, um, you know Denver, Colorado, and we can still have a great value proposition and mitigate costs for that owner. Um, you know, that's where it tends to be more of a floating fleet model if they're not in one of our current markets that we're in. But if they're in one of the current markets that we're in, that was my I mean, the, the value that we can deliver through fuel hangar, maintenance, um, leading to uptime, you know, and you know, revenue optimization, e- either way, whether you base or float in one of our markets, we can really provide a differentiating uh, uh, value proposition. But hey, if you're not, that's great. We still have all the capabilities of of a a great operator, scale operator in the industry, if you're not one of our our strategic markets.
0: Have you ever gone, so have you ever said to yourself, you know, I want to be in this market. There's no one there who has an aircraft that needs your service, but you just want to be there. And so you're like, okay, I could buy these two aircraft or three or whatever, or one or whatever it is just to get in that market. Do you look at it that way just to get into a particular market or no?
1: Oh. to date, I would not say that we have done that. And here is, you know, something that we have, you know, part of our strategy is we want to be, we we feel like we are, you know, like Fidelity manages mutual funds in in their fiduciary. We feel like we are the same way. We're just managing a different asset, a very operationally intensive asset in a a very untransparent industry of business aviation. We don't want to own the assets. Where we've seen companies get in trouble in the industry, as we've looked back, it is if they have a heavy ownership of their own fleet, the company actually owns it. Uh, we, we want to find individuals who want to own a plane or part of a plane, uh, and they want it operated professionally. Um, they want the right that, You know, they want a strong value proposition. So we don't, we won't typically go somewhere and put a plane ourselves. We do own a few planes. Um We look at. That's what is, I, asked. You know, I
0: knew you had some planes. So I wanted to ask what
1: your, yeah. Your but you're. Yeah. We're actually selling our planes to our current customers that, you know, want, you know, if they're a, re- if they're a retail charter customer and Hey, I want to, I want to upgrade. We're putting our assets in their hands and then operating with excellence for them. Because we don't really want to own planes, because you know, it just it ends up, you know, when times are good, hey, it's great owning planes when 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 the business is busy. But when times are bad, okay, that's not such a good thing to have that lease payment or mortgage payment hanging on you. So we feel like it's better to have the balance sheet risk on the owners and operate with excellence for them. That helps us scale faster. So that's that's the way we've approached it.
0: So that okay. So then on your on the website where it has like the list of planes that are available, those are your clients' airplanes.
1: Yeah. Okay. Got it. There's a there's a couple on there that we own that um, we're we're kind of slowly um, doing those down. Most of those, virtually all of them, are customer planes.
0: Got it. Okay. I like the 2014 Phenom 300, by the way, but that's okay. <laughs>
1: that's <look> pretty good. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I have the the sovereigns on there uh, that um five two two j a yeah
0: that's a that's, beautiful. A, that's nice yeah
1: that's uh, a sexy point
0: yeah for sure all right uh, so uh, another thing i want I want to ask you about was the flight school you're real proud of that and it's interesting because that is you you incorporate it into your your five legs if you will um uh, more and more of of the I think the better higher end operators are trying to find a way because obviously there's been a shortage of pilots um, to kind of jumpstart that program. But when you explained to me, it wasn't really, I don't know, it felt to me like you were doing it more because it was like the right thing, not just like we need pilots. And everybody else I talked to was like, we need pilots. We need to start the school to get people in there to kind of feed our business. I know that's what's happening, but I thought your take on it was a little, I don't know, a little better than most.
1: Yes. So we have uh, 10 flight schools in five states, kind of all over the country, some in Indiana, Florida. Tennessee, we, we are exceptionally proud of the flight school that we're building. I think we touched over a thousand students last year. So we're starting to, you know, get on the radar. You know, we're we're starting to become a, a decent sized flight training business. And it is a it is a fantastic business. It's people who are passionate about it. Um, we, we want to be, you know, I would say it is mostly professional pilot focused. But that being said, we we have training and dedication to, to for somebody who just wants to get their private pilot's license that is fantastic. we love that you want to be in the industry. We want to support you. And so we've got, we've got programs for uh, an individual who just wants to be a private pilot all the way up to somebody who has hey, a graduating high school and they're not sure about going to a four-year degree. And Hey, once you come over and, and and talk to us, we'll provide you um, a very efficient way of getting from, I have zero hours up to 1500 and I want to be a professional pilot. And and hey well on your way to a six figure career so
0: so time frame on that um so so people can understand that that is an option they graduate high school they say you know what i want to do this what's the the, the time frame to kind of get to start to finish
1: yeah. depends on how fast somebody wants to do it you know, 24 to 30 months um, depending on how much how much they're really flying but we can get somebody um we can get somebody trained in you know half the time of a four-year degree program that's great with with, with significantly less uh, expense than a four-year degree program yeah that's awesome and also you know along the way you know once you uh once you get all your ratings you become a cfi we have a you know, a, a really nice financial package for our cfis to like where they get paid um you know they get paid a nice rate for their training hour you know, it's you know they're not going to get rich on it but you know there, there's always you know the the programs that have been out there in the past it is you know hey you're just you're lucky to be here and build hours and we're going to pay you nothing we want real pros who are training our students we want them taken care of so you know we we compensate well for our cfis as they're building time they're getting a nice hourly rate as well and they're incentivized to keep on training and make more of that hourly rate so um yeah it's uh, Yeah, we we have a lot of our actually are just talking about this today. We have a number of our pilots who have they've actually gone through the whole program. They are uh, they became CFIs and then they have flowed through to the right seat of our planes when they got their 1500 hours. They got trained, they got typed, they're out there flying the jets, but they still fly as CFIs because, hey, pilots have some downtime so we go back and still uh, uh, train some of the students which i think is awesome culturally i think it's just absolutely yeah, fantastic
0: that's, yeah that's great so 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 is it all or most of who's doing the training is is from within
1: so are you talking about where we source our pilots versus where we yeah so it um so so teaching it's all it's all hire in cfis from the outside but that's actually changing because we got very, very intentional about our jet access flow through program to our planes about nine months ago. So we, we, we began that program with the flow through program with really, you know, from scratch where we're going to take somebody who wants to be a professional pilot. We're going to take them from zero to 1500. So we had to, we had to hire in outside CFIs to do that at first now, through the flow through program, we've got professional students who've now become CFIs. So it's changing the dynamic of our flight school. So now it's becoming, it's ramping up very quickly to be only internal CFIs that we've grown from zero up to a CFI. I think that's so it's always there's be a balance. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's, there's still be a balance. Well, I'm sure it, 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 we find a great CFI from the outside. We want to bring them in and make them part of our family. But, um, it, but hiring it, from it, within
0: it, is always the best.
1: Amen, right? brother.
0: Yep. Amen. Yep. I mean, they're, they're, they're part of the family. They get it. You know, it's gone from zero, zero to 60, you know, with one company. I think that's, I agree. That's, that's the best way. It really, in most businesses, how to do it. We want to provide,
1: you know, we want to provide opportunities for our people. And hey, the, the pendulum has swung from, right and it will swing back it swings back and forth all the time in this industry of you know pilots are in high demand versus pilots aren't in in quite as high as demand and right now we're in a high demand environment but we know if we grow somebody from zero to 1500 and we ingrain them in our culture and david i gotta get to our values because i'm so excited about what we're doing with that but but we if we grow them from within that person, is, you know, that individual, is going to be with us. They're going to get us. They're going to. They're going to know the service. They're going to know our company values. They're going to be excited. We gave them our opportunity. We gave them their opportunity to move into that jet. I had one CFI come to me. Uh, we flew down with him to Florida uh, about a month ago, and he said, "Quinn, this company has changed my life." That's awesome. I had student debt from other from other educational endeavors. He goes, you didn't even know this, Quinn. I slept in my car. On night, because I lived I live way out of town. If I had a late night, um, and I had an early morning training session the next morning, I would sleep in my car. I'm mean, like, My gosh, didn't you tell us this? We would have got just some place to be. Yeah. And he goes, I had never been west of the Mississippi. <laughs> and we he's now flying in excel. He goes, Quinn, I am seeing the world. I love this place, I love our values. Um, because you know, yeah, you know, and I am making six figures now because I never would have dreamed I would have made this at this age. Yeah, you, this company changed my life when, yeah,
0: so this is literally why I wanted to bring it up because when you're talking about this, of all the different things we spoke about earlier in the week, to me, this is the one you're most passionate about. So I kind of wanted to delve into, into the flight school and what it meant to you and how you look at it and the hiring and, and well, what it is. It's seriously awesome. I, I, I've talked to many people about flight school, just like. Pilots, people, kids want to be pilots, other companies that have a program. But I'm just telling you, no one has it with the passion that you do. So at the end of the day, oh, going would be great. Oh, yeah.
1: I appreciate that.
0: Super awesome. So that's great. So that's great. Again, re- one reason why I want to talk about the flight school, your passion, everything. So that kind of leads into what you talk about are the values of the, of, of the company. If you could spend a little bit of time talking about that, uh, that would be great.
1: I would love to. Um, something that I believe really differentiates uh, our company uh, a lot of companies you know they put up values and uh, you know they, they they plaster it up on some plaque somewhere and send it out in some emails occasionally they put it in, you know in a vision and mission statement i literally say our values um, in a conversation or in an email it's got to be at least 20 if not 30 times a week sometimes more because i, I believe fundamentally that's why we are different and it's so cool about the flight school students. They get, they get ingrained in those. But here are our values. And this is, this is, this is our FBOs, our maintenance, our charter, our, our flight school sales. It's, it's everything. These values are the same. they jet access. You know, the parent company that does all these five things. It is safety first. You have to be safety first in this industry. Lives are in our hands. So we have to be so safety focused. The next one is take care of our people. So our people take care of a customer. We have to take care of our work family here. We know if we take care of them, that they will deliver the best, uh, the best experience for our customers. Relationships matter. You know, this is a relationship business. This isn't a transactional business. So if we, you know, th- that may mean we... We take it on the chin a little bit as a company because we have to do the right thing for our people or for our customers when it comes to profits. We have to take it on the chin a little bit. That's fine because we're building long-term relationships. When we buy a plane for somebody, we got to make sure we we don't just put them in a plane because we happen to see that's available. We put them in the right plane because we're going to manage the whole life cycle. So relationships matter. That's what goes to the next one. Relation. I'm sorry. Uh, do the right thing for the long term.
0: Right. Do the we right. are. Oh, I would
1: say do the right thing too. It's kind of funny. Yeah, it's it. Yes, it's it's so important. We are. Not, we're a private company, Um, and we don't have a quarter by quarter way of looking at this business. I am. I, hopefully, you can tell David. I am exceptionally passionate about what we're doing here. I'm exceptionally passionate about business. I'm just a lucky guy that happened to be happened to get into the coolest business there is, yeah, aviation. Mm-hmm. So I want to be doing this 10, 15, 20 years from now with my amazing team. So we don't look at how we make decisions quarter by quarter or even year by year. We look at, is this the right thing two, three, five, 10 years from now? Is that how we want to be viewed? Is that how we want to honor this relationship? We, we have the, the businesses that we have today um, you know, Jet Access, Eagle Creek, First Wing, these are businesses that have been around for 10, 20, 30, Eagle Creek's been around for almost 40 years. We want the, we, we need to think in those type of timeframes of doing things right for our relationships over that long period. And, you know, the last one that I, I'm, uh, I'm I'm really passionate about is uh, is positivity, you know, I think there's so many people that I talk to that they you know, they, 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 they have a situation and they, they, they see all the problems with it. We're, we're, we encounter problems every day in our business. I'm like, my, if we can counter a problem, my gosh, that's an opportunity. We got to look at this positive. We can grow from this. Um, just the energetic positivity that we have in our, our company because we've got people aligned with, hey, we're going to make the best of this. And we are all blessed people. So safety first. Um, take care of our people, so our people take care of the customers. Relationships matter. Do the right thing for the long term and positivity. I'm so passionate. So those can really apply to any business. I just, I, I think they're perfect for the type of business that we're trying to operate in this industry.
0: Yeah, my my mentor told me um, if you do the right thing, uh, you'll be successful at the end of the day. So you know, don't worry about the small stuff. Just know what your goal is. Keep forging ahead, no matter what's in front of you.
1: So. Amen, brother.
0: Yeah, and he also said, "When you you can always get in trouble if you talk too much. You can't get in trouble if you say too little."
1: <laughs> well, I could probably I could probably pay more attention
0: to that one. <laughs> yeah, I think you and me, as I said that you and me. I think both can do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and then one one uh, final thing I'd like to touch on, if we can, um, uh, it would be uh, you talked minimally about uh, or a little bit about the ownership share program that you have. Um, just just a little blurb about what you're doing there. Um, uh, that'd be great.
1: Yeah, so we feel that because of our integrated solution that we have between the flight schools and the FBOs, maintenance, charter, sales and acquisitions, all of those, in the markets that we operate, that we have a base in, that we have an FBO and we have maintenance, you know, we, we have the sales and acquisitions, all, this, all those capabilities, and that would be particularly Indianapolis, Nashville, and Dallas, we can offer something very different. You know, typically in, in in the industry, what we've seen is nobody has that concentration of capabilities in a marketplace. So when we can when we can have uh, when we can have the the fuel component, the hangar component, the maintenance component, the charter component, and package that all together, that it, the synergies that we have from that delivers a value proposition that is very different than your average floating fleet or jet card program where they're going to be repositioning in. Um, and you know it's, it, it, it's expensive to do that. It's a great program. It's very easy for the customer. We feel like we can package all of our capabilities up in strategic markets and deliver something that is a significant value proposition because we participate in more of, of the value streams and we deliver that to our customers. So we put, we have a very specific fleet that we, um, that we consider for, we call it wing share, but we, we, we look at the CJ series, the Embraer 300s, um, Phenom 300s, uh, we look at Excels, Sovereigns, and, and Praetor 500s, we really, really like a lot uh, about those planes as well. But we use specific types depending on what size of plane our customers wants and we put a joint ownership together, we'll bring in up to six, we like to keep it a little bit less than that, but up to six people, individuals together on a plane. And we, because of our capabilities, we operate that plane at a value proposition that is very differentiated versus uh, what what can be offered out in the market today.
0: So, okay, so when when someone is part of that as an owner in that share program, um, like uh, how do the, how how does it the time work? Uh, like, uh, d- is it t- divided by six, obviously? But is it like we have to charter the plane x amount of hours a year? So this is what you all have left, and you six will share that. Is that
1: no, you- so we we actually you know we we don't charter the plane much at all. It's the owner's plane, and what we're doing is we're putting you know a, a yeah you, know, you know planes are expensive. We're taking an expensive asset, and we're divvying it up. Yeah, they're up to one six, but we, you know we have planes with two or three in them. But we're diving that up. It, yeah, it, it's it's a it's a it's a joint ownership uh, model. But we're diving up the costs, and then we really only charter the plane if we're repositioning it for the owner. Right. Uh, we want to mitigate their empty leg. So, um, and then you also have so in the wing share program, we have a wingshare fleet. You know of the. You know the excels, the CJs, the, the the 300s, and you have access to the entire fleet. Now we want you flying on your yeah you want to, and we want you to fly on your own plane as much as possible. But when you have a base fleet in a market, we have other joint ownership planes available as well. So let's say you know yours is busy uh, with your your partner's plane. Well, you can hey you can come over and use hey we may have two Phenom 300s or or uh, two Sovereigns in a market. Hey, just because you're you know sovereigns a great plane you just you're gonna fly on your other tail you're you're probably pretty happy with that too you can fly on the same plane but you have flexibility because we're a you, know, you have 135 action. operator we can you have do
0: access the other tails. you
1: have access to the other tails, can, it, to to the other tails. Mm-hmm. so it's it is you know spreading out the um you know the, the balance sheet uh, hit on those of, of expensive assets sharing the expenses and having access to a fleet at a uh, at a cost that I, I think that most people would say when they see our cost per hour of operations of those planes, they will be uh, really really impressed what we're able to deliver with that total value pub.
0: awesome. It really is. It, so it, it's like it's like an elite little group, if you will, um, that has access to this. How, how do you? So these are existing customers that you're talking to about it, or is it marketed? out I've not heard of it before are you marketed out there or how does that how does that work uh,
1: we, we've marketed in Indianapolis or beginning to market it in Nashville and you know the funny thing is you know how much word of mouth helps with this um you know the 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 first guys that went to our first sovereign um they're all buddies and like we started talking to one and then another one started talking and like hey this is a really good deal um why don't you why, why don't we all get in this together and then that led to the second one and, uh, and then the third one. And then we're also, uh, you know, we're, we're having, we'll be getting the same conversations in Nashville. Soon we'll be getting those in, in uh, Dallas. You know, the, the, the challenge for us right now, and we're, we're shifting strategy in this a little bit. We have, we have so much demand. We could probably have, you know, triple the amount of planes in our joint ownership program, windshare, but it's just so hard to find the asset. Because the, the prices are so high, there's just nothing on the market, and that is really changing our thought process on this into buying newer. the The R between new and used
0: yeah, it's very small now.
1: It's crazy. It's small now, and you can make a real case. And you know, it's, we if we try to sell used, unless we have it, you know, the company currently owns it, we have nothing to sell. Well, we can sell new, and we have something to sell new in a slot that we can put together. So we're starting, and and also the new is is probably going to be more rateable. It's going to be warranted, and the arb isn't that different between the new and used anymore.
0: Yeah, that's crazy.
1: Yeah, use prices way
0: up, way way up. All right, this this is this has seriously been awesome. All right, so Quinn, one final question: Is there anything because we both love the industry so much, think it's super cool, any kind of cool? interesting story that you can share with us about private aviation?
1: I don't know if I have any like really interesting stories, but you know, one thing that really like then blew I'm my gonna... mind, one of my first experiences in business aviation was um, I had, so I was uh, attending a board meeting for one of the most important people in my lives. I've had a, a few mentors. I've had two very important business mentors and my parents have been great mentors. And one of my mentors asked me, to be on his board, and he was in Savannah, Georgia, and I flew in uh, in in private aviation, uh, got in for the board meeting. We did our full day. We, then we got to the next day, and we were all uh, leaving that evening. And the host in Savannah asked us to all attend dinner if you could, and everybody except for a couple lo- local. Uh, people who were on this board, they all left because they were flying commercial. And I'm like, hey, you know, I can leave whenever I want and make it home tonight because it's going to be direct. Right. And so I had dinner at 6 p.m., uh, starting at 6 p.m. in Savannah, Georgia. It was, a, you know, I didn't leave the dinner early, but I had a great, you know, hour and a half dinner. I drove 15 minutes out to the airport and got on a plane and I was in bed at like 10 30. Yeah, it's just like awesome. yeah. you know, we, we, we're, we're selling, you know, the most valuable thing we have in life. It is not, it, it's, it's, it's time. It's time with our loved ones. I could not have gotten back to my wife and my best friend if I hadn't been able to do that that way. And it's just it it that has always stuck with me, that experience is my gosh, I went to Savannah, Georgia, had dinner. And got back to my wife and got in bed at a decent hour, blew my mind.
0: That's great. I think your wife will like that story. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thank you. I
1: think good, good like
0: choice it. of the probably 1000 that you have. I appreciate it. <laughs>
1: yeah, all right, really appreciate the time together.
0: Yeah, thanks again. This, it was really great. Uh, everybody, again, this was uh, uh Quinn Ricker, he's the CEO of Jet Access. Check out their website. Um, it's really a phenomenal company uh, run by great people, great family, really a, a big family that's um, there for you in so many different ways in private, private aviation. Thanks again, Quinn. Thank you, David. Thank you all for joining the JetMetric podcast today. We hope you all learned a little, maybe became a bit smarter and maybe just maybe you're now a jet center or at least on your way to be the JetMetric podcast is brought to you by airbook one where booking private jet charters has never been easier with guaranteed pricing, a high end flight concierge team and a super cool app. Check out airbook one at www.airbookone.com and on both the Apple app and Google Play stores. This podcast can be found at www.jetmetricpodcast.com and, of course, at the Airbook One homepage. Have a great day, and until next time on the Jetmetric Podcast, read, learn, and fly.